Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 76. Today we are sharing an entire episode of Work Smarter, Not Harder Teacher Tips. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from the school week, share some ideas in a segment called Know Better, Do Better, And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And now it is time to talk about our highs and lows from our teaching week. Yeah. Um... (laughs) Uh, Carrie, what do you have? A high, a low, an in-between? It's, it's a high. It's a general high. Yeah. So I have finally, as of this past week, seen all of my students and I've made it through all of my rotations and I'm about to start back over with rotation one starting on Monday. Mm -hmm. So it finally feels like, well, I got through like the whole welcome to music (laughs) first day of music spiel with everybody because seeing everybody the way we're seeing kids for two weeks at a time every day, and then you have to do the whole same thing again two weeks later. And then again, it's like that Groundhog Day thing. Oh, yeah. Thing. Five days ago, I was doing Welcome to Music. Uh-huh. Hi, I'm Mrs. In October. Yeah, yeah. It just it felt so weird. And I, I mean, I know the reason. We all know. But anyways, it's just nice that I've seen everybody. And um, the last two weeks, I've been back at my home school. And, you know, I've just been so happy to see my students again that are my students that I've had for years. And I specifically had all of my dual language classes this last week and did a lot with them for Hispanic Heritage Month, and it just, it felt very comforting and, like, cozy and, like, this is where I, this is where I belong. Not saying that my new school isn't where I belong, but it's just new, you know? So it just felt really good the last two weeks to be back in my home school and um, just feeling really, like, good that I finally feel like there's some forward momentum, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, ready to move forward um, with new concepts for the year as well as reviewing old concepts and just embracing what this year is going to be like. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. It was a good couple of weeks. Good. How about you, Tanya? Okay. Well, let's see. <laughs> um, we did record this a week ago, this episode, yeah. and we had technical difficulties. And when we recorded this, I shared a lovely hi, which was an email from a parent at my new school who said her, she's never seen her son so excited to be in music. And that was so much fun to share. And I'm not going to share it. Um, because I just am always erring on the side of being more pragmatic and understanding that we've got a lot of teachers out there in a lot of difficult situations. I mean, let's just not mince words. This year is a challenge for so many reasons. So I just want to share a low or a struggle that I'm trying to turn into a high and we'll see how that goes. Not because I want to be negative, not because I, but just because let's be realistic. Yeah. And, um, I'm with you. I, I am feeling it, and so are some students. That's oh, yeah. what brings me to the low. So I do have a, um, a group of classes that I just started seeing five days ago, so I did that whole welcome to music. I'm Miss Lejeune, if you don't remember, right, at my home school. And I have two, three actual students. Well, I have lots of students, but I have three students in one particular class who um, have difficulties, and I've always had some difficulties with um, regulating their emotions and so sometimes some of these students 
come with a dark cloud over their head. Yep. Right? And so you can tell something happened along the way before they came to me. And I see them, like, really early in the morning. So it had to be something, you know, that happened at home. Unfortunately, that transfers right into the music room and even doing any kind of mindful minutes or kind of grounding activity doesn't seem to help, which, you know, makes sense. These are, these are kids, they're learning and, and, um, they're, they've got some, some obstacles, right? So I, I did have a, a few days this past week where I had, um, kids. And when I say kids, I just mean one, sometimes two, uh, yelling over me, um, during instruction from the beginning of class and yelling mean things um, about me and others. No, no, um, no cursing. Interesting. So, so I guess that's, you know, maybe that's a, a, a right point, does that part even matter? Does that even, well, I don't know. I'd rather hear evil, evil, evil than, you know, F U B B B. Right. So that's, I take that for what it's worth. Um, so yeah, so these students obviously have, have some, some issues and okay. So number one, not taking it personally. Yeah. Right. Um, it doesn't really have anything to do with me. All right. So how am I trying to turn this into a high instead of a low? And I've had limited success this week. Even, um, I noticed that my lunch and planning line up with this grade levels lunch they also happen to be lunching outside of uh, on this patio area right outside the art room, which is super close to my room. Mm-hmm. So I have made a priority of every day, five to ten minutes, I'm going out there and I'm like talking to um, all of the kids That's in this awesome. grade. But especially the, the kids who are ha- giving me these like yelly, angry, angry things their demeanor is totally different. Right. By the time lunch comes around, you know, they, they're, they're eating, they're happy and, and they talk to, it's like, it's like talking to different people. That's interesting. So this is really, okay. So I advise this for two reasons. Number one, making connections and relationships with Mm -hmm. these students is super important, right? Number two, it drives home in me the whole, this is not about you, Tanya. Right. Right. So if I were to go out there and these um, students started yelling at me that I'm evil and they hate me, then I would go, okay, well, I got to fix a relationship here. <laughs> right. But the fact that they're happy to see me and they chat with me and talk to me and they share random stuff like kids do and they want yeah. to tell me what's happening with their pets and stuff shows me that really not about me. No. It's not about my relationship with them. The reason that they're, you know, yelling these disturbing things. It's hard to teach when people are, it's like, I, I guess stand-up comedians might feel like this, you know, like you're being people heckled. Heckling you. They're heckling me while I'm trying to just say, well, yeah, yeah. Hey, we just got into the room and now we're going to do X, Y, Z. And, yeah. and people are and yelling I've- at me certainly had students like this I mean pre-COVID who just have a lot of trauma in their life and that trauma manifests itself in strange Strange. times and strange ways and yeah you talk to the kid later and it's like did I do something no are you upset with me no yeah well then why and I have had kids yell out b word b word while I'm trying to teach so yeah I mean it's definitely gone that way too and so yeah I mean this is where your you know your school 
social workers, right? You know, oh, and I SEL really, teachers, I want to give a shout friends. out to my school social worker who yeah. is just awesome. Yeah. Um. Oh my goodness, I, she I love her so much, and she she will come into my classroom and she will help and talk with these kids. She helps problem solve with you know with me on what yeah. what can we do. So it's interesting because at the beginning of the week there was one student in particular who was doing this. And at the end of the week, it was a different student. Interesting. And then, so when the different student was going off at the end of the week, the other student was happy as a clam. Do you think the not second... Not happy at what was going on, but like satisfied, happy to be in the music room and hmm. actually like act, active in what he, the, per, the kid should be doing. Do you think that second kid was copycatting what they saw the first kid doing? You know what? I don't because I've unrelated? seen them both. But then I have a third student who was copycatting yeah. another student and yelling the exact same things. Oh, and also there was running out of the room. Oh, yeah. Running away. Yeah. So I did have a third student who was triggered. Right. Somehow. Right. And I've heard that this student is supposed to be on medication and sometimes misses it. Got it. And uh, this was one of those days, apparently. Anyway, so all this to say, um, please remember that these that it's not about you. Right. It's not about you. Yep. And take take heart in that you are there for them um, and try to see them and talk to them at a time when they're not in your room because whether or not they've eaten, whether or not they've had medication, if they have medication. Um, the, whether or not adult has interacted with them. Exactly. <laughs> All these things play into their behavior yeah. and you really can't take it personally. So anyway, that is my low that will hopefully be, um, I mean... I, I did kind of have a high because the num this first student who started right. this is is now like happy happy happy. I mean next week's a new week, so we'll see. Yep. Yep. So here we are, episode number seventy six, sharing an entire episode of work smarter, not harder teacher tips. Yes, we've and been, we've, are you going to talk? Oh, I was just going to say we've been including these tips in our episodes for a while. Yes, and sometimes we didn't, and we would do other things. But um, we went back and we pulled some old tips that we think are still relevant, especially during the COVID times of teaching. We've got your COVID tips. We've yeah. got your technology tips. We've yeah. got your in person, no COVID. Well, I mean, you know, everything is adjustable. Yeah, hopefully yes. it's ap applicable to our teaching of today. And these are not even all of them, so we picked no. out what we thought were the best the better, ones. The best yes. ones. And then we also asked listeners to chime in, so we have some that are shared from listeners from social media. So, Tanya's going to start us off. We're okay. going to start off with um, a bunch of tips that we think are good for in-class tips, like if you're doing in-class learning, socially distanced, either in your music room or in a classroom. These are some things we think could be helpful. Yay! Take it away, Tanya. Okay, so I'm going to start with a listener tip that we got on social media. So, Sonia says, put all of your slides for the day in one Google Slides and PowerPoint and link to other slides or slideshows for each each grade level, which is such an awesome idea, and I have been doing um, this for a, a while, is putting everything, in fact, I've been labeling them like unit one, day three, grades K through whatever, and I try to put them in order of how I, I see them, Yeah. right, but what I would like to start, I want to up my game, and I do want to start linking 
Like, because it's a big, long slide deck. Right. Right. So maybe I need to start linking to grade levels. Because if I have like a bunch for, say, second grade, but not as much for fifth grade. Anyway, um, yes, this is good to have in one spot. Right. I have different slideshows for each grade level. But what I do is um, I have a, you know, you have your starred folder in mm -hmm. Google Drive where you can star things. So I star all of my slideshows for the day. So I can easily find them in that one folder. Yeah. That's been working well for me. Totally. All right. This next tip, I have mentioned it before on social media. I am loving my laptop clicker. So it's a little clicker that comes with a USB drive that you stick in your laptop. And I believe they work just as well with Macs and PCs because yes. you have a Mac. Right? I do. Oh, and yeah. I have that same clicker. And I use it with my PC. Um, so it's universal. And it allows you to advance through your slideshows. So whether it's Google Slides, PowerPoint, or Keynote, seems to work well with all of them. Yes. Um, I think it works with smart notebook too i haven't tried it with smart notebook but I it's bet it been does. a while but yeah i think it might but the bonus is if you get a clicker some of them have laser pointers on them so you can like point to the screen which is really great for your kiddos but what i love especially in this year of social distancing is i can be all the way in the back of the classroom so i'm allowing you know some occasional proximity to those kids who feel so far away from me and i can point up to the screen from the back of the room or the side of the room so i'm still moving around the room um also if kids are working on their own device so let's say they're on their chromebooks and they don't know where they're supposed to click or which key on their keyboard they're supposed to click I can use my laser pointer to point to their little screen or point to their keyboard and say click here so I'm not reaching over yes. and touching or getting in their proximity so my laser pointer is my absolute best friend this year and that's such an awesome tip because I did that for the first time this last week yeah where I was roaming around the room yeah and um like I'll I'll admit that the first week of school I was like I had to. I felt like I had to getting next to kids, and I was yeah. like, "Okay, now you, now you go, go there." And, yeah. You go. and yeah, so this past week, I did that for the first time, and I was like, "Okay, you see the escape key?" There's yeah, it. yeah, and it was. It was funny because the student was like, wow. I know. Yeah, I had a kid be like, is that a cat toy? You really love that thing. I was like, well, it's not technically a cat toy, but. Right. Yeah, so they have picked up on my obsession with my laser pointer, and it's just become a normal thing Ugh, in our such room. Such a good tip. Okay. And now from Kelsey uh, from social media, record yourself reading or singing a picture book, which, yes. oh my goodness, I have done this a lot this year and it has been so very helpful um, especially if you have students who are online only mm -hmm. right so you can still share that same um, book with those kids if you record yourself um, reading it I have been a big fan of using the Kindle Cloud Reader um, oh you know we're going to talk about that in just a second um, but th the other fun thing is that I've been adding music to the very beginning and the very end I'm yeah. not I'm not super fancy I haven't spent a lot of time editing anything but it is nice to just add music at the beginning at the end that kind of relates to that book I was doing Grumpy Monkey and uh, we're looking at music from Brazil so I was able to find I found a great piece that has the Quica drum which is a, a drum that's supposed to sound like a monkey it's a friction drum so it's great because I got this quica going on with the music and it sounds like a monkey and it's grumpy monkey so it's just a fun little a little tie-in all right so I'm going to weave that into the next tip if you're buying new picture books for class this year consider buying a kindle version so you can project books using the kindle cloud reader in your classroom 
if you make a video, you can post to YouTube as private. Right. Right. So you're not worried about copyright there. Mm-hmm. And these are books that you own and you're making videos of yourself reading them. That is totally fine as long as you're not putting it out in the world for public consumption. Yes, exactly. Cool. Um, all right. So our next tip is about the importance of knowing your students' names. Oh, yes. And more so, I think, this year than ever, just finding ways to connect with our students. I mean, not only knowing their names, but how to pronounce them correctly. And that's important all the time. Oh, yes. Yeah. The so there are some helpful ways you can do this. So Tanya and I are both really big fans of the app Idokio for our gradebook. Mm-hmm. It's a gradebook app, but there's also seating charts. And what you can do is you can add pictures of your students. And that is really helpful for learning kiddos' names. So when I look at their seating chart, there's a little picture of the kid on their seating chart, and then I've even got the pictures in the grade book as well. So as I'm going through, especially at my new school this year, as I'm still learning these kids' names, it's really helpful to have those pictures. Um, Another suggestion that I've heard, I haven't done this myself, is you could um, have students do an assignment like on Flipgrid or in Seesaw where they are recording themselves speaking their own name. So you can hear how to pronounce their name in their own voice. This would be a great thing for them to do from their home if they're allowed to take their devices home with their masks off so you can right. really hear them and but you see did do an learning. assignment like this I did a similar assignment so but they didn't speak their name they sang their I name I know that's so, awesome yeah using the book Your Name is a Song is our inspira- inspiration by Jamila Tompkins Bigelow but by the way I found out the hard way that this book does not work on the Kindle Cloud Reader <laughs> I bought the Kindle version but then I didn't have a way to play it so anyways I'm still working on it but I I I got the actual book and I read it to them and then I did an assignment in Seesaw where they like just wrote their name you know like however they wanted to write it and then they sang their name for me and it was so sweet and it was just a fun thing just to you know I mean these are my students in my homeschool that I've had for years so hopefully I'm saying their names right I mean it's a good way to double check but the point is they just it was, we tied into this whole importance of your name as a gift to you. Mm-hmm. And anytime either me or any other adult doesn't say your name correct, it's okay to stop that adult in a respectful and, you know, polite way and mm-hmm. say, excuse me, this is how you say my name. Like, you don't say yell at somebody, but, you know, you can tell them in a way that's that's forceful without being rude. Like, this right. is how you say my name, and you should speak up. So, anyways. But that just, assignment that you did is just such a nice tie-in to that social-emotional yes. piece. Everyone wants to hear their own name. Everyone loves to hear their name song, which I, you know, am a big fan of doing. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so to include that, I just think that that's just so lovely to make that connection. It was a sweet moment. And it was there. It was also just on a practical sense, it was a good way to get them practicing recording themselves in Seesaw. Exactly. Because this particular group of kids, we didn't use Seesaw last year. So we have used Seesaw a couple times this year for other assignments, but this is the first time they clicked the record button. So that was a fun little adventure too. Can, can I add a little uh, to this? Okay, so... Yeah. This is a fantastic assignment because they're singing their names. Um, You've got that piece of your name is a song in Uh there. And I just really want to emphasize that does it matter that we didn't have a rhythmic or a melodic concept tied to that? Oh, no. Not at all. So, and I'm talking to myself as well right now, is that sometimes I find my Kodai brain, like, um, you know, kind of waking up. I mean, it's, it's always awake, but you know, kind of like, um, raising eyebrows and go, um, what musical concept, what rhythmic concept, what are we doing here? You know what? Sometimes 
and especially this year, I mean, those, those, those students need that extra, hey, look how music ties into our world. Hey, look how music is a comfort to us. Plus, you got in this whole, let's use this technology. Let's make sure we're knowing how to use this tool. And yeah. that, that wasn't the most important thing. But what I'm trying to say is just because an assignment does not involve reinforcing or preparing a specific melodic or rhythmic concept does not mean that it's not totally worth doing. Totally. Maybe even more valuable at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are we? We're, we're well into October, and I have done no rhythmic or melodic work with my students yet this I year. I know, me neither. Period. Yeah. Well, We've been doing a little bit of singing. I, yeah, I've been doing a tiny bit in, I, in the review world, mostly. I, I haven't even started reviewing yet. Everything okay. I have done up until this point has been a tie-in to social-emotional learning, world music, and the importance of music for our emotions and as a comfort. Yes. Um, and I intentionally plan that. And yes, I've had a few anxious moments where I'm like, I cannot believe we haven't done I anything, know. you know, traditional literacy. But you know what? The kids are having a lot of fun. And from what I can tell, they feel very comfortable in my room, which is was it, my number one yes. goal. Isn't that the most important thing? Yeah. You're not going to get them to improvise with Tikka Tikka. Exactly. Until they're feeling comfortable. Exactly. All right. Moving on. Oh, Tanya's okay. Got our next one. I shared this um, on social media. You did. I shared this it's on, very but sweet. It's so silly, but whatever. Okay. Um, and the, the tip is improvise. Um, and I don't mean like have the students make up a rhythm to take a tick on the spot. And that's not what I'm talking about. You as a teacher, especially if you are traveling between two schools, if you've got the wrong thing, um, improvise and make it work. And here's an example of that. Uh, I love the song Grizzly Bear at this time of year because we are talking about loud and soft. And I did not have my Grizzly Bear stuffy with me at my other school the other week. Uh, but I did have my a monkey in a barrel. And so we just turned grizzly bear, a grizzly bear into a monkey, a monkey is sleeping in a barrel. And so at the end, when we get really loud, you're giggling at me. Um, I loved your monkey sound. Go ahead. <laughs> if anyone's wearing headphones, though, that's not fair. Um, so at the end, you know, uh, instead of roaring, we have the... <laughs> You know, you have such a good monkey voice. Well, it's because I've been practicing my Quika. I love it. Anyway, it is so, so good. Oh, you know, I'm all monkey. I'm like grumpy monkey, monkey in a barrel, Quika. We're all monkey because okay. it's monkeys. Um, nice. So yeah, so just improvise, make it work. Uh, I have puppets on a stick. You know, with the, the you, yep. you press the little lever and their mouth goes up and down. And I found myself pulling those out <laughs> for something instead because I didn't have. Um, what was it? It was maybe it was it wasn't a pig. It was something else. Anyway, yeah, use what you've got, well, yeah. and just if you have to change the words of a song from a grizzly bear to a monkey, well, hey, that's fun. You're and modeling you, text improvisation. Exactly. So yeah. you're like, what other animals, boys and girls? Right. Right. Anyway, don't stress if you don't have the right manipulative. Yeah, right just thing. be creative. Yeah. All right, and our last in-person tip is uh, about cleaning and sanitizing, something we're doing a lot. So mm -hmm. if you are using any sort of shared materials like instruments that you clean, um, 
my big tip is to have a big old laundry basket and rather than having to frantically clean in between every single class just have everything go in that laundry basket throughout the day and then at the end of the day I spread everything out on my like riser stairs and I spray the heck out of it all so then that causes me to have to plan carefully so that like if you know kindergartners are playing the egg shakers then no one else in that day will play the egg shakers because I don't have enough for two different classes to both play without having cleaning in between so that allows me to use my precious time in between class to go to the bathroom and get whatever mm-hmm. stuff I need out for the next class but I'm not having to clean in between classes I clean everything at the end of the day and then it sits overnight and then it's ready to go for the next day and aren't you glad you have class sets of instruments yeah there are certain instruments I have class sets of yes. um, and then you know in other class in other times we do you know ensemble things where this group of kids plays the triangles mm-hmm. and this group of kids plays the sand blocks what I'm having to get my kids used to is they're so used to whenever we do something like that we switch and we I rotate. know I know and that's the hard thing is I'm like well you might not get a turn to play the sand blocks today but you might get to play them tomorrow yes. and you know it's fine I think they're learning and it's just it is what it is but that's been our, our biggest change is not doing any I know rotating events I had that experience class. just yesterday because yeah. you know we were all playing the drums yeah. like like the top the um the two bonos, yeah. and I had them all set out in a semicircle in space and all that. Um, and then, like, I had a, a kiddo was like, "Now we get to go to a different one." I'm like, "No, nope. I know they're so used to that we do that. <laughs> At least you and I do that, and I haven't done that for everything all yes. the time. But like, no, now you step away from the drum. Yeah, it is yeah. what it is. At yeah. least we're giving them experiences to play something. Exactly. So okay. All right. So now we're going to move on to things that are more for both remote learning and also like LMS, you know, I'm still doing a lot of stuff on tech, even with my in-person kids. Yes. So things about your, your learning management systems that will work for both in-person and remote kids. Exactly. All right. Um, okay. I will take it away. I am a big fan of Google forms and from our, our friend, Becca, one of our very favorite people. We love you, Becca. Um, she suggests in Google Forms, or an, if you're using an exit ticket or a quiz, provide a drop-down menu or a multiple choice of their classroom teachers. So, like, let's say you're doing fourth grade, and you know you have three fourth grade classes, and you're using the same form. Just have a, a place where they can click which class they're in, and then you will be eas- able to easily sort the form spreadsheet by teacher. Yeah. And uh, all the answers will be spelled the same way. So, yes, if... Don't learn the the hard way because this is a, a, a when kids don't know how to spell their teacher's name, their home homeroom teacher's name, then you get multiple spellings of McDonald, for yep. example. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So having that where they just click that, oh, I'm in Mr. McDonald's class. Click and and they're done. Yeah. All right. As as far as Google Form goes, but also I do this with everything. And now that I'm doing a lot of things online, I, I'm doing this a lot. Color code. Color code your Google Form exit tickets and assignments by grade level um, so you can easily visually sort through them. I know it's not awesome practice, but I am one of those. I've got 10, 20 tabs open all at once. And as I am clicking through and going, well, what's that? Why am I doing that? I just see the color purple and I go, oh, that's fifth grade. Oh, there's red. That's fourth grade. And it's been very helpful to me because that's how my brain has been working for the last 24 years um, is color coding grade levels. And so that's just an organizational thing. And I do it in real time too, you know, like construction paper, setting up 
areas that, okay, this is meant for fourth graders. Yeah. Yeah. I want to throw another thing in about Google Forms. Um, I did my first uh, quiz assignment where the, the Google Form, it was an actual quiz that was graded. I have not done quizzes yet. Yeah, and it was actually pretty magical because if you set it up so it's linking to your Google Classroom, it will automatically import the grades into your Google Classroom no, for you. that is magic. It was pretty slick. So I did like a quiz about mariachi instruments and it was, you know, select the right answer. Each one was worth a point. I did add an open-ended question at the end so for like an open-ended response. So I did have to go back and automatically grade it, but it took me maybe five minutes to go through my whole class, grade that last question, and then you hit a magic button. I want to say it says like export grades or something grades. I should find it out and I'll do a little thing on the Insta about it at some point. But anyways, you click this magic button and then all of a sudden, bloop, it all shows up in your Google Classroom. It, it was very satisfying. So yes. anyways, so speaking of Google Classroom, I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of tips, things that have been working well for me because I've been yes. using Google Classroom for a long time, even before COVID times. So yes. I've definitely found what works and what doesn't. So number one, number one tip, turn off student comments. Just oh, yes. shut it down. Yes. Yes, several episodes ago, maybe you remember when I was teaching middle schoolers, or maybe if you don't, no big deal, because I'm going to share it now. Um, yeah, I had a tr- I had trouble with this because I did not do that right away in a Google Classroom, and I had some oh very clever uh, middle schoolers who gave me cut and paste the entire um, script to Shrek. Right. So that was fun to erase. And they did it not in one fell swoop because, you know, you only allowed so many characters. But right. I'm talking like I had, Volumes. you know, 20 comments Gosh. of um, Shrek script. Yeah. Um, now, so, yeah. they will still always be able to comment on their individual assignments. There's yes. no way to turn that off. And that's fine because that's just between you and that, that student. But what you can do is you can turn it off so they are not allowed to post or comment anything on your stream. Your stream right. is like your, you know, you where your everything kind of goes. Um, now, you can set it so they can comment on things but just not post originally. Mm-hmm. So if you have students and you set it up and you have that conversation of, I'm going to allow you to leave comments because that way they can ask you questions about the assignments like just this week I I left it on for sixth graders um because I'm thinking they're older and they should handle that responsibility they're doing really well with it um, okay because I did have a kid who asked me a clarifying question and I answered it and I see the value of that because other students can see the question and see the answer Mm -hmm. however there's other classes where I have talked to them about it and they still abused their privileges and so I turned it off so know your kids know what works well if you are going to leave it on talk to them about it and and think about this when you set up the classroom before you have kids in the room because i have had the experience where um okay kids here's your google classroom let's all go there and then they i have immediately start hi, i have hi, like hi, five hi, seconds hi. and i'm like oh my gosh i don't think did i turn off the comments and i had my answer because I'm like hi no you hi hey stop it guys no you stop it i'm like oh yeah, my goodness they're literally typing it right in front of you mm-hmm. it's lovely yeah so turn that off all right and then speaking of the stream this is my other big tip and i i'm so happy to stumble upon this you can turn off stream notifications so when you open up your google classroom you've got your stream and then you've got your classwork tab and your classwork tab is where all your assignments go mm-hmm. well automatically it'll default that every time you post an assignment it also pops up on the stream Carrie Nicholas posted, blah, 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 blah. Well, I personally don't like it because I think it visually clogs things up. Plus, it gets kids in the habit of they only look on the stream Mm -hmm. and they only click on things on the stream. So if you turn it off 
then those things don't pop up. So then they know they have to go to classwork to find their assignments. And then you can use the stream for announcements. Now, I have a question about this. Because I have not turned off my stream because I share my Google Classrooms with the art and the PE teacher. Right. And so I would have to clear it with them, and and there's just been bigger fish to fry. Sure. Can you, like have specific things not show up in the stream or do you have to is it all or nothing it's all or nothing as far as the classwork goes because what you're clicking is you're clicking something that says hide notifications so you go to your settings you go to a little sub tab that says classwork on the stream and you click hide notifications okay so it's it's either all or nothing like i said you can still use the stream yeah so like what i do every uh, for my remote kids is every week on monday i put a reminder in the stream hi, week of blah, 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 here are your assignments, that, that, that. And then they know to go to classwork, and they will find the assignments there organized by week as well. Um, but I just personally like it better. It's a personal thing. You know I what? I, I want to, makes a lot yeah. of sense. I want to do this, and I just have to, like, have a, a conversation with the art and PE teacher. Um, I have been having students bring their Chromebooks every single music class, mm-hmm. and my little spiel is, like, all right, everybody open it. Oh, go to the Google Classroom. Let's now click this tab of, um, you know, classwork. Yeah. Let's all get in the habit of going there because you will see a section for art, a section for music, a section for PE. Exactly. And I'm glad that I'm training them on this because we had a situation um, a couple of weeks ago where we had kids who had to go to remote and quarantine but it wasn't entire classes because it was a situation with a bus. Right. So I had like two students from this class, three students from this class, and so we were say we were asked send assignments home, and this was no big deal because you already had there are yes, and not only am I happy that I've been doing this because. I've already been doing this and I don't have to do extra work to get these particular kids to do anything, but also that I have driven home the point that, hey, this is our world now and I am grading you in large like what you put in this Google Classroom. So whether you're here, whether you're home, you do it. Yeah. Right? Because nothing was more frustrating last spring than to work hard on something online and see that two-thirds of the kids don't even bother to do it. Right. So I'm trying to change that perception yep. of AMP when we're remote, AMP when we're in person, do the work. Yep. Totally. All right. So I got off. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, that's great. All right. Keep um, going. Uh, another tip is how you organize your classwork. So this depends on your situation. So like if you're in Tanya's situation where you're sharing your Google Classroom with the uh, PE and art teacher or even with the classroom teacher, you, then you're probably going to have topics like music, art, you know, whatever. But I have worked what you're about to talk about. I, I have done some of this. Okay, cool. So for me, because I have my own Google Classroom, what I do, and this is for specifically for my in-person learners, is I organize it into three topics. The first one is today's work or this week's work. The second one is early finishers, and the third one is past work. So whatever they're going to be doing this week or this day that I want them to see first goes in that first one. And then early finishers is links to websites or links to things they can do if they finish early in class. And then past work is where you scoop things down after you've completed it, because in Google Classroom, you can't archive assignments, or if you delete an assignment, it all goes away. So I want to at least keep everything there 
there, at least for the trimester to the end of the grading period. Um, and that way too, if a student was absent or if they want to go back and redo something, they can go back and they can find it. Yep. And this has been working really, really well. How have you been doing this for yours? Um, and I haven't, I haven't used all those categories, but I did do a music early finishers, right. for example. You can have two music topics. Yeah, and I've been using also music Brazil right. unit, right? right? So that they know, um, and you know, um, I will I will say that my art and PE teacher have not been using the Google Classroom as much as I have. Right. So I don't know if they like. This is not a conversation we've had. You're just doing. it. I'm just doing it yeah. and waiting, uh, apologizing later. Right. Instead of asking. I just I think for me the difference was when I organize by topic, it's more about chronological rather than by like topic like what we're learning about right. because that makes more sense to the students that they can find what they need for today really that's easily. true and then for my remote kids because I push things out asynchronously by the week I'll just have a topic that says week of October 5th right. and then everything they need for that week week and of we've been on. using that week of yeah. thing with the remote students that we're not seeing in person or um through zoom or google meets at all so we do have a few classes that we're just pushing out asynchronous work and we've never even met these kids. Right. Yeah, that's how I've, I've got it too. And I think it's just the important part is make it very clear, this is what you are expected to do this day or this week yep. for the kids. Um, okay, a couple more things about Google Classroom. Um, make sure you check your email notifications, especially if you are sharing a Google Classroom with other teachers. Turn them off. Yeah, you can either turn them completely off or set them in different ways. So you can set it so like certain things you get notifications for, certain things you don't. Yep. So especially if you're you know not sharing a Google Classroom and you have your own own that might be handy like I have it so um kids who turn in assignments late I get a notification for that because that kind of triggers in my mind like oh I need to go back and check that Mm -hmm. you know because it might have been something that was due a week ago so I'm not checking those grades as frequently as I would be the stuff that's due this week yeah if that makes sense um and then another small little tip is to especially for your kids who have multiple google classrooms you know they've got different Google Classroom for each subject or for each teacher is to add some emojis to your classroom name mm-hmm. so they can easily find it. So all of my Google Classrooms, I used a little music note, you know, paired the, the eighth three. note. I think I have the little paired eighth notes. Or maybe it's the no, three single eighth three, notes. three single eighth notes. Okay, whatever. Just use the There's that notes. and there's the treble clef. Oh, yeah. I like the, the just the three single eighth notes. Me too. So I have that. And then it says music immediately following. Just remember that what it looks like for your students. When your students are looking at all their Google Classrooms, if you just put third grade, Miss Nicholas's class, like, that's not helpful to them. It's helpful if it says music. Yes. And if there's music notes there. So, you know, this is especially helpful for me being in a dual language school, that my dual language kids and even my just younger non-readers can mm-hmm. find my classroom easily. Yes. So that's been really helpful. Um, and you can also do this on your topics, too. Yes. You can add emojis to your topics. Yes, and that has been very helpful when I've been sharing this Google Classroom with PE. In fact, I did it for my my colleagues. I put a little basketball next to Jessalyn's because she's a big basketball fan. And then I put a little art palette next to Craig's. And then I put the the three eighth notes next to mine so that they can identify and go, like, that's a music thing. That's a, And, you know, I, I would have to say if you teach middle school or if you teach kids that do have those multiple, um, 
Google Classrooms. Boy, I really wish um, my uh, my own my own children. I wish their teachers at their middle school and high school had a codified nomenclature. A common way. Because yes. I I'm telling you, it is really frustrating to go and see like. Um, Mr. Talon's Tigers. I'm like, well, I don't know what grade that is. I don't know what anything that like. I don't like, know what subject that teacher I don't know, teaches. like, or, yeah. you know, the the kindergarten trailblazer. Right. Well, anyway, yeah, it would it, it would be great if we just had a common way at, at middle school. Even I see period three. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's the subject? What's exactly? Oh, yeah. that is that is, and the it's poor been kids. Driving me batty too. Yeah. Anyway, so that would be great if you could get your whole staff. Here's like, our nomenclature. We've got it. Yeah. Grade level, subject, teacher. Teacher name. Whatever. Yeah. That would be nice. Okay. Well, and this next tip we've already kind of I've already to. talked about sharing a Google Classroom. And this would go also along with if you have Seesaw. Yeah. Or um, depending on what your learning management system is, um, that could make it easier for your students. Right. So always try to, especially with this online stuff, always try to think of, like Carrie was just saying, how do the students see this? Yeah. Is this going to make things harder or easier for the students? Because you want them, this technology, it's a tool. It's not the end-all, be-all. And us as music people understand that better than anybody, that we really want the music making and the music understandings and the music appreciation, that to be the main thing, yeah. not can they poke through all of this Google Classroom information and find what they need. Right. So think about it in terms of how can I make it easiest for the students. Right. Okay. Um, all right. And whether you're using Google Classroom or Seesaw or whatever, definitely consider creating a demo class where you can just create assignments, test things out, kind of poke around, especially if this is new technology to you. Um, the nice thing is then once you create an assignment in that demo class, you can easily push it out to your real classes in Google Classroom. You just reuse the post or in Seesaw, it just becomes a part of your activity library. And then, you know, maybe think about if you have a, a teacher friend or two who teach very similarly to you make them co-teachers and this is how i get all of carrie's awesome assignments and, and i just reuse versa. them i have used <laughs> tanya's stuff too yeah we share a demo class just between the two of us yeah and it's funny because and our sudden, own children yeah oh yeah our own children who are anno- oh. well my my particular child is annoyed she's like i have so much so many Google Classrooms, can I get off of your yeah. demo class? So both Tanya and I have students in our own district, so we made them students in our demo class. Because Google Classroom does not give you an easy way no, to look at things from the student point of view. So this has been our workaround. And then that brings me to my next tip is have an extra student device. And if you're able to figure out a way, I know it's hard with Google, if you can um, steal a student's login somehow or something, um, your own children or whatever, so you can really see it's just so beneficial to do things on a student device. Because it's easier on Seesaw because you can be a sample student. Yeah, yeah. But things look different on a Chromebook, and things look different, way different on an iPad. Oh, yes. Um, so definitely try things out as, as best as you can from the student point of view, if you can. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, oh, the next one, it is tech, but it's also just, I know we use a lot of videos in our classroom. So this is just a, just a reminder that if you're going to use a video for students, whether you post it or whether you watch it in class, watch it all the way through before you post. Um, because, you know, you, you would think that um, I was looking at a seven minute video um, about things you didn't know about Brazil. Mm-hmm. Sao Paulo, um, specifically about Brazil. And it was great. It was going to be great. And then really in the last minute and a half, 
they made a sexual reference to something. Okay. And I'm like, nope, I'm out. So, yeah. you know, you have to, or I can cut it short if I can find a, a place to do that. But you would be surprised. Something that seems like this is going to be great. Here's a great demonstration of the cello. And then at the at the end, the guy makes a, you know, makes an infer- uh, inference to his instrument is bigger than, you know, uh-huh. the violin player's instrument. Right. Right. So, yeah. Watch things all the way through. All the way through. Of course, you know to do that, but I have... I've been in the moment, I, I will admit, in the moment, I'm like, oh, I bet there's a really great video about blah, 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 and uh-huh. I'll pull it up right there in front of the students, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, God, please, was this a mistake? Yeah. Luckily, nothing has been a huge issue, um, but yeah, if that's not a good practice. Don't do what I just said. Do, do, do not do what we just said. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm giving a non-example. That I know, I have been there. And, and you know what, though, uh, middle schoolers... You really have to, I mean, you have to do that with everybody. Oh, yeah. But there are some things that middle schoolers will, will you know, infer that maybe you don't even think about until you really look at it. Um, Quika, the Quika drum, the way you play the Quika drum. Now, I don't have middle schoolers right now, yeah. but I have been thinking about them a lot this year because I was like, oh, my, oh, my. They um, could not have handled that moment. They could have not handled this, this wonderful Kalani video where he demonstrates the Quika. And the quick is an instrument where you have to put your hand inside the drum and and rub on a stick back and forth to get that <laughs> sound. I love it, yes. And then you press on the drum head to vary the pitch. So many things to snicker at. And I'm it. like, I'm thinking about my middle, in my head, my classroom of middle schoolers from last year are rolling and snickering oh, and... Yeah. Um, and then you show it to fourth graders and they're like, cool. Yeah. 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 They're, they're not there yet. Yeah. So know your All stuff. Right. Um, okay. Always double, double check that your sharing permissions on Google items are set correctly. Oh, I've lived this yeah. where I'm like, okay, everyone, you're going to go here and, um, you're going to, like we just talked about, um, making videos private yeah. for copyright. Well, that's a little tricky than when they need to view that video. Oh. Yeah. I don't know what you mean. No. But maybe you don't want to get into it right now. No, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But, but, but this is more about like Google Docs. And right. So I have created things. stuff where I didn't change the sharing permissions. Yeah. And then sent it to a bunch of people and they're like, I can't I open can't it. I can't open this. And how many times have we done that as adults? Right. Exactly. So make sure that Anyone you. Anyone with the link can view. Yes. And here's <laughs> a little tip on that. If you are using Google Drive, if you set up a folder and you, you just check the permissions on that folder and you make it that anyone with link can view, then everything you put in that folder will automatically have those sharing permissions. Mm-hmm. So now you've taken away the extra job of going to that document and making sure everyone with the link can view or edit or whatever yeah, it is that you're doing. Tip. Okay. All right. Do let's you want to share a couple of Zoom tips because is... you've been doing some great Zoom stuff. I've been Zooming with, with students. Um, I have a kindergarten class that I'm Zooming with, and I have a third grade class that I'm Zooming with um, for two out of every six weeks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, so much fun. So much fun I've been having on Zoom. However, I will say that if I had to do it like every single day, wow, I could see that getting really challenging. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I kind of feel silly because I know a lot of uh, the teachers out there are still not, are still doing remote 
Yeah. So, you know, feel free to skip over the next like four minutes if you're like an expert on the Zoom because I'm talking from my limited experience. No, these are all great ideas. Music on entering. So, you know, have music playing when the kids come into the room because, you know, not everybody comes in on at exactly the same time. Even if you have a waiting room set up. Um, it's nice to let them in and and have music that they can groove to. It has been so such a wonderful start to my Zoom lessons to see these third graders like hearing the music and moving to the music They're and bopping around. around. Um, so give them some time to enter, have music playing that maybe you're going to use or refer to. Um, freeze dance. All right. So what I've been doing a lot of is we're listening to this music as they enter and then it turns into a freeze dance situation. And what I've been doing differently with freeze dance on zoom is um, picking a student that the other students have to freeze into their position. Uh, uh So I'm like, okay, Troy, everybody, when we, when the music stops, you have to free like Troy is freezing. Make sure you have him in your screen. Right. Right. Um, another game that I have done that I adapted from a primary kind of life on Instagram, who has wonderful Google and Zoom tips. Yeah. She's just awesome. Um, is Beat Detective. So I've done this in person uh, where everybody's sitting in a circle, which we're not doing, of course, in person. And we're singing a song and we're keeping the beat, but we're following one person who is the beat leader. And the beat leader changes where they're putting the beat. Um, every few, you know, beats. And then the beat detective has to try to figure out who is the beat leader. All right. So the way to do this online is if you use Zoom um, breakout rooms, you send the beat detective, one student, into a breakout room all by their lonesome. (laughs) And then while they're doing that, or while they're away from you, you say, okay, who's going to be the beat leader? And you select a beat leader and then you put the music on, and then you have the student come back from the breakout room, and they are the one who have to figure out who the beat leader is. I pause the music so that there's some specific times for the kid, the beat detective, to guess. Right. Right. And then I, I mentioned this when we recorded on the recording that we're not using, um, that I, I, ha- I did have an issue where I didn't realize that I had like three students from the same class that are in a learning pod. Oh, and they were physically in the they same They are room. physically in the same room. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, kids, um, I'm going to type the name of the, of the beat leader in the, in the chat box. Got it. Yeah. So that was kind of a fun thing that I had to work out room that I had to work around. Um, yeah. breakout rooms. Love using breakout rooms. Um, breakout rooms are a great way way, way to share and pair, to have kids share in a small group. Um, you can design exactly, you can um, assign who is in each breakout room. So I did this uh, rhythmic assignment with third graders who, frankly, are a little bit ahead of my uh, my in-person third graders. Uh-huh. So we were tick-a-ticking up. Nice. And so I had them do a little eight-beat composition And then there were some kids who were finished and some kids who weren't. So I made small groups of kids who had finished their rhythm writing and they were supposed to, in their breakout room, share their rhythms uh, by speaking their autumn things like um, jack-o'-lantern pie, pumpkin pie. Uh, And then they have to share it with their rhythm language, ticka-ticka-ta, ti-ti-ta. So I had small groups who were doing that, and then I had other small groups in breakout rooms of kids who had not finished, mm-hmm. and their job in, was simply to finish the assignment. 
Yeah. So they weren't really talking to each other, those kids, but it's just, it just gave time to give kids what they need. And I could differentiate with those breakout rooms. Love it. Love it. Love it. I kind of wish I had a breakout room thing in real life life because I was so into doing like sharing and pairing and small groups. And now I'm like, okay, but don't face each other. Okay. But get really far away. So the small group thing in person, not working as well as it is online. Ah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, moving on for general planning and productivity activity tips just life as a teacher in general um all right so our first one is from laura and she mentioned when teaching a song that is new to you take a snapshot or a screenshot of the song and put it right in your lesson plans if you're creating your lesson plans digitally not handwriting them it's just nice to have that master copy right in front of you you don't have to go find the book or whatever yes i mean we always recommend you know memorizing your songs and know them really well before you teach them to kids but it is nice just in case you have that that brain fart moment of like I forgot the words to De Colores this last week, and I was like, uh, and then I had to go grab the book. So right, yes. yeah, I mean, we all have those moments where our brain I just stops there. working. And then another one from uh, this is from Instagram from Schmutzer Music. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, she is suggesting, and I think this is a great idea, especially this year, is to double up on those grade level plans. Yes. So, for example, if your fourth and fifth graders are in a same similar place, they can do a similar lesson, but then maybe just some minor adjustments where you up things a little bit for your fifth graders. Yes, you know, Doing especially it. Mm-hmm. this year where music literacy is not quite taking the the precedence that it has in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely doing a lot more of this doubling up on my lesson plans. I am living it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just making my life so much easier for yes. sure. And then finally, um, always a great idea to keep a cheat sheet, sticky note, or something of your lesson plan handy so you can just quickly glance and kind of say, oh, this is what's next, this is what's next. Um, maybe you take a little sticky note and you stick it on the back of your lanyard. Mm-hmm. Or if there's a hand drum that you regularly use, like for your primary kids to like lead them into your room, you can stick it right there on your hand drum. Yeah. So it's nice to to just have a little visual reminder of what your lesson plan is going to be for the day. Exactly. So very useful. All right. Here's some traveling between schools tips. If you're traveling between schools, make a packing list on your phone or wherever, you know, digitally that you can use to pack up to go from one school to the other school. Um, You know, of course, you can use the monkey in a barrel for all the things, but maybe you could bring the grizzly bear too. Um, So, and then you have that list so that when you are leaving the second school, you can pack up everything to return back to your home school. Google Keep which is an app for iPhone, and I don't think that you can... I, I or don't an know. extension on Chrome. Or it's general. an extension on... Yeah, I yeah. use Google Keep um, on short-term, like, daily basis uh-huh. um, for to do things, and it works really well for that. Yeah. Okay. And along those same lines, if you are traveling, a rolly box, get yourself a rolly box yep. or two or like five. I've got five because... Um, those are like those big, they're like crates, yes. like milk crates, but they're on wheels and they've got little lids. And yes. then they flatten up. So during the week when you're not using them, you can flatten them up. And yes. At the end of the or week, you can just have it by your pack. desk and just well, pull from true. that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And let me be clear. I, I don't use five to go from school to school. Right. Oh, gosh, I have I the not. five mostly for teaching Kodai yeah. uh, levels in the summer. Yeah. Because they're much easier to bring into a building when it rolls than when you, like, have to carry it. Yeah. So, yeah, rolling boxes are awesome. It's worth the money. Yep. All right. Another little tip for productivity is using the Pomodoro technique, which I'm a big fan of. And you can look this up, but I can give you just a quick, you know, in a nutshell, this is what that's about. Set a timer for 25 minutes 
to work on a very specific task. And this 25 minutes is devoted to work on that task. You're not checking email or going on Instagram or Facebook or anything. But after that 25 minutes, you have a break of five minutes where you can do whatever you want to do. And then you go back to either the whatever task you were working on before, or maybe you have a different task that you work on for 25 minutes. So the idea is that you can have focused concentration on that 20 for 25 minutes on that task, especially if you know that you've got a five minute break coming. Um, after, I think it's, gosh, I could give, I could be wrong, but you know, make it work for you. But after four or five of 25 minute segments of working on specific tasks, then you get like a longer break could be 15 or 20 minutes. So this has been a, a technique that I've used with my own children. Like, you know, it's overwhelming to think of picking up everything off the floor in my room. Like, okay, let's set this timer after 25 minutes of doing this thing daughter then you can um go and you have five minutes to do whatever you want so it's just it's just a way to set it up if you're a procrastinator like me um where you're like okay i'm working on this thing but let me check email first and then let me go here first and let me you know i do that yeah so i love this pomodoro technique um another idea to link to that is to designate specific times of the day to work on specific tasks. Like, okay, it's my planning period and at 11.15 I'm checking email and I'm checking my Google Classroom notifications. So having a specific time today kind of trains your brain to get into that flow of like, okay, this is the time where I check the things and I'm not going to come back 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 15 minutes later. Um, Yeah, because especially when we got when we were doing all the online things this spring, Mm -hmm. and I got so excited about something I had spent a lot of time on, you know, you wanted to go see if the kids. I was like, "Is anybody doing that? Yeah, what did they do?" And then I, you know, it was just yeah, and you drive yourself nuts because you're like waiting to hear those dings that let you know that a kid did something, and you want to go look at it, and it's not a good use of your time. No, okay. now it's time for our no better do better segment where we talk about something that we should know and we should do there you go (laughs) all right so this has come up in my mind so we are just coming off of the tail end of hispanic heritage Month, and i'm just going to be starting mine because it doesn't matter and we celebrate all people in all cultures all year it doesn't mean it's just the way my fe- my schedule flowed. Exactly, I keep feeling guilty that I'm like not doing it in the actual month. No, that's I mean that's another tip is make sure you're being inclusive and representative all the time. Well, that's, yes, that's another thing. Yeah. Um, so okay. I could use this tip. Tell me all so, the things. Well, I just wanted to mention how important it is when you are purchasing resources or creating your own to think about the images that you are putting into your resources. So in particular, this is something that's always been a pet peeve of mine and I hope I don't offend anybody well, doesn't I, matter I, maybe do I don't it care anyway. I'm just gonna say it you know why is it that so many things created for elementary level students have images these cartoonish images of these big-headed children with their big old heads and their big old eyes and yes there might be you know various skin tones and that's wonderful but so often these images these clip art images that I see on a lot of teachers by teachers resources they are characteristic of a certain culture I, I or know, certain people. I know one reason why. 
Why? Because initially when TPT was starting up, that particular style was the free clip oh, art. Oh, okay. Well, that so, and then it, it. And then it became like um, a trend. It became a thing. And it became a thing. I've and always so, really hated it. I've yeah. always found it to be way too cutesy, even for my youngest students. Like, why do we need to give them these big-headed children? And then, again, the, the, the concerning part is, you know, when I'm looking up you know, because I do buy things off TBT. TBT is wonderful. I'm not knocking TBT or people who sell I'll things. I'll knock TBT. Well. No, I won't. I, no, but specifically, if I look up, you know, music, resources, Hispanic heritage. There month, are some wonderful things. There are some wonderful things. But then I also see things with these big-headed children wearing their, you know, sombrero and holding their maracas. And yes. I'm like, what is this caricature that we are putting forth towards for our students, what are we showing them visually? So my tip and my reminder for myself and others is Google Image Search is an amazing tool that is embedded right into Google Slides, Google Docs, where you can search for an image of a certain place or a certain thing. So if you want to include pictures of maracas, include a real picture of real maracas. Yeah, you can use real pictures. And <laughs> not I mean, like the big-headed child holding the maracas. If you know, you're selling or, it, that's a different story. Well, of course, yes. And uh, yeah, this is, I'm talking about like if you're making a resource for yourself, for your students in Google Slides, and you want to include an image, you know, it, just be careful that your images are representative of a person or culture without being a caricature of a person or culture. Yes. Let's make sure that our monetary needs do not drive our sensitivity. Exactly. Yes. And again, I just want to give a shout out to Eric and Justin from uh, the, the Score. Score podcast because they had uh, an amazing episode, episode 43, called Hispanic Heritage Month, A Latino's Perspective. And this really has, has got me thinking about a lot of these yes. issues. So. Oh, please go listen to that. It's an excellent episode. The whole podcast is excellent. And, yeah. Yeah. It's time for our CODA section where we each give a professional or personal recommendation of something we have been enjoying. So, Tanya, you're going to go first. Oh, so many things. All right. I am going to drop a personal and a professional one. Um, This time of year, I'm drawn to, like, quieter chamber music, um, you know. Cozy music. Cozy music, exactly. And so a favorite album of mine that is pretty old at this point is called The Juliet Letters. And it is a collaboration between Elvis Costello and the Brodsky Quartet. And I just it's very cozy and you get this nice mix of like rock and roll sound, but through a string quartet. Cool. All right. My other recommendation, which is more on the professional side, is that I've been listening and catching up with Jessica Grant's podcast, Afternoon Tea. Yeah. And I was just listening to um, an episode where she's talking about her teaching situation this year. And, oh, my, wow, she's on a cart, and she um, is not doing any singing. And she teaches middle school. And she teaches middle school. (laughs) And girlfriend is in the trenches. Oh, my Okay, so, oh, my goodness. I just love all of her very specific recommendations and... You need to listen to you need to listen to music teachers who are in the trenches and doing what you want or are already doing because the experience that she is bringing to her podcast really is is just is 
She's doing lots She's of things. She's doing it all. I, I admire all the things that, that she has to navigate with. And boy, go listen to that. So, um, go listen to her latest few podcasts because she is talking about the accommodations that she is making. And it's just really awesome to listen to um, another music teacher who is She's doing it doing every it, day. Doing yep. it every day. Okay. Yeah, and Carrie. Nice. So I'm also going to recommend some music. I have been loving Angelica Garcia. She is a Latina artist with uh, Mexican and El Salvadorian roots. And uh, she is just a great mashup of all the things I love. A little bit of hip-hop, a little bit of Latin American music style thrown in there with some rock. She kind of she reminds me of Fiona Apple a little bit. Just really creative, interesting nice. music with lots of different... Tone, you know, tone so would this be on. like good walking in music as I'm doing my Hispanic? Yes. So I have okay. been loving listening to her on my own, and I've been playing this one song in particular called Hikama because it's all about, you know, I was born in this country too, and I've got things to say, and here I am, and it's just very empowering, and my, my Latino, Latina students have been loving it as well. So, yeah, she is awesome. She's got some great albums out, and then she has a Tiny Desk concert that's great, so we'll Ooh, link to that as well. Yeah. So, yay, Angelica Garcia. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we will be discussing including student choice and voice in the music room. Until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie wishing you happy musicking. <laughs>